This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Paul Calvisi, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton. Let me pull the curtain back just a little bit here at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. Today is day one of the off-season strength and conditioning program, something we discussed a week ago here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Well, we know it is, in fact, happening. It is voluntary, but we know it is, in fact, happening because, gentlemen, the parking lot was full. And if you dare arrived late to work today, Paul, you would not get a primo parking position. Now, if you're Drew Stanton, former Cardinal player, you have that spot reserved because that's just who you are. You and I, though, we have to make sure we do not show up one minute late to work. So what are you insinuating? That I am out in the auxiliary (laughs) lot? That I was not here before 9 o'clock? Okay, guilty by association. Uh, You got me. You're right. I'm out in the auxiliary lot. I had to take the shuttle in. How about that time, though, Drew, that Bruce Arians cut the fringe player (laughs) for parking right up front? in the designated parking that's supposed to be for season ticket holders. And after he had warned him, was that true? Or, I mean, that it was right there on all or nothing. That was, was that just for the cameras or was that reality? That was reality. You know, I think uh, it was one of those things that B.A. had warned everybody multiple times. <laughs> hey, like, you know, our, our lifeblood is our fans. And if the season ticket holders or whatever it is um, can't be able to have access to it, that's a huge problem. And so there were some things that he needed to clean up when he got here and he set a precedent multiple times and sent very loud and clear messages uh, to the players and nobody ever parked in that spot again. Let's hope that is not happening here in 2023. Now again, this is voluntary. It is only strength and conditioning, no coaches. You can be on the field, but only as far as doing drills, strength and conditioning drills, but no coach-player interaction just yet. This is phase one, if you will, of the off-season strength and conditioning program. If you check out the social media channels, including the brand new Twitter handle that Paul Calvisi likes to think he runs, at AZ Cards Insiders, you'll see our esteemed colleague Darren Urban tweeting out some photos and some video. Offensive players get in first. I believe the defensive players are coming in as we speak, Drew. But we are seeing a number of players, and the big name is Hollywood Brown was spotted amongst a number of players on the field working out, which is always a good sign because depending on what happens with number 10, well, you need to make sure you have Hollywood healthy and ready to go. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's the point of this whole offseason is you get to kind of slowly get back into working out. And you're also getting in the classroom. I don't think people realize that because, again, all that's getting filmed right now and on Instagram and Twitter and all that is just the on-field work. And there's a buildup there. But there's also a process in the classroom. And many would argue that the classroom is vitally important or more important right now because these coaches only get a finite number of hours with these players 
and then they can kind of leave it for them and they can stay and watch film. They can make cut-ups, but it's on the players. And so this is a great sign, as we talked about last week on the show. There was a lot of turmoil last offseason. We want to put that behind us as an organization and move forward. And when guys are showing up and voluntarily showing up to be a part of this process, it's a good sign because this is where the team gets formed. And as you talked about, the offense is separate from the defense, but there's still some crossover, carryover. You see guys in the training room. You'll hang out with guys in the lunchroom. I talked about how we would play golf with the offensive linemen. You've got to be here or you want to be here and you want guys like-minded to be around you. So this is a great sign and a good first step to have Hollywood Brown back here because he wasn't here last year. Remember when Michael Bidwell, the team owner, said at the end of last season when he made significant changes, and that was this team has an accountability problem. That starts now. You're out there, whether whether it's in the parking lot or whether it's on this back practice field, guess what? Accountability starts now. And so it can be small things like some of these drills and workouts. And Drew's right. When you see the itinerary, the majority of today really is in the classroom. And with the new coaching staff and new schemes, obviously that's vital because you want to practice at full speed eventually. And then a Hollywood Brown, hey, uh, who he was the number one receiver the first six games of last year. At this point, he's going to be wide receiver one this season unless something drastically changes. So guess what? In the position he's in and also looking for a new contract in a contract year, yeah, you bet he's here leading the way. Again, voluntary, but better to be seen during this voluntary, especially with, Paul, you've got a brand new front office, a brand new coaching staff, and a number of new faces in that locker room. So I think a lot of this day one and maybe even day two is – hello, my name is, and just kind of, yeah, I've heard about you. I've seen you on film. I've seen you on my TV. Now you get to know the people versus just what you think about the player. And to Drew's point last week, don't think you're not being evaluated by a fresh set of eyes. Don't think that if they're not impressed with what they see, both on this field, maybe your attitude, what they're trying to discern is your commitment level, and then all of last year's game film, that they don't have a replacement in mind whether it's coming up the end of this month in the draft or some veteran free agents who are waiting until after the draft to assess where their best chance is of catching on with a team and earning some incentives beyond the base contract. Yeah, that process is going on as we speak. Speaking of the draft, we are now just a little over two weeks away, April 27th. The Cardinals, as we speak, still with the number three overall pick. But if we are to believe what is being written and what is being reported, Drew, once again, it is that silly season, if you will. And a number of different things have been written and tweeted over the last 24 hours. The biggest was ESPN's Adam Schefter on Monday. The tweet read, in part, at least six teams have inquired with the Arizona Cardinals about trading up to the third overall pick in the upcoming April 27th NFL Draft per league sources. Inquired. Now, what does that mean? Hey, is the pick for sale? Are you interested? It can mean a number of different things, but this is a tweet that certainly, if you're the Arizona Cardinals, you love to see out there because now all of a sudden, maybe you were getting a handful of phone calls or maybe no calls at all. But you want to make sure that those other teams that are looking for a quarterback or think that they want to move up in the draft and don't want to wait until 8, 9, 10, or 11 when they are on the clock, then yeah, drum up some interest and make sure that the price is very high to acquire that number three pick. 
Yeah, exactly, right? It, there's uh, paranoia. There's FOMO right now that's going around this league. And you can plant these seeds because at least six teams have inquired. Whatever that means, uh, I would have to sit there and say, okay, what are picks one and two? Tell me that before I even pick up the phone and talk about them. And, and again, all this is is just posturing because you don't know what's going to happen with one and two. Once you have a definitive one and two, you've already kind of been able to discern, okay, do we return this phone call? Do we know what we're going to get for compensation? As, as you said, right? If there is a pass rusher that I am clamoring over that is not on the board anymore because he went one or two, then yeah, I'm thinking about trading down to acquire more picks and do all these things. But if Will Anderson is there, like I said, I am running up to the podium putting that name in. If that changes because of that, you know that all of these teams that are looking for quarterbacks have put out there that they're willing to jump up. Whether they put that out there or the Cardinals put it out there, it's out there. And it's something that needs to be taken serious. So in saying that, if you see quarterback go one and two, I'm not changing the pick. If all of a sudden something kind of changes within that and somebody wants to jump up to get a quarterback, I would be all lines are open and let's uh, let's go for business. It certainly, it certainly does, Paul, sound like quarterbacks will go one, two. And the thinking is, if you believe Peter King on Football Morning in America, that the, quote, momentum toward Bryce Young is real. Pick number two, though, and I, don't, I know you do not like this scenario, but there is more and more scuttlebutt that the Texans do not draft a quarterback and instead take that perhaps number one defensive player off the board before the Cardinals are on the clock. And you know what? That means Houston's doing its job. That means the Texans are getting it out there that, hey, just watch us. We won't go franchise quarterback. Although Houston does have a history of overthinking, overanalyzing, you know, paralysis by analysis in some of these situations. So maybe just maybe they wait until pick 12 and take a chance that someone falls, a Will Levis. If the scuttlebutt is real right now, the Will Levis hasn't exactly endeared himself to a lot of teams during the interview process that he might be full of a lot of Will Levis and there might be some ego involved and he's intrigued by his big arm. So maybe they do wait to number 12, maybe. But once again, I don't think that's a disaster scenario, anything but for the Arizona Cardinals because that means one of those top two quarterbacks is still on the board at three and that's where you really cash it in from a team coming up. Exactly. You get more people interested at that point. And and D'Amico Ryans came out and said today, I'm not looking for our number two overall pick to be the savior. I mean, that's such a great mindset that, that lets you know that they're kind of being very ambiguous with what they're saying, but at the same time, D'Amico Ryans has been there, done that. He's been in the locker room. He doesn't want any added pressure. They very well might add a quarterback, but then the first thing when that quarterback gets up there at number two or number 12, to your point, no one player is going to be a savior of that franchise this year, and that's where you really want to look at the numbers of what's going on. So It's an interesting dynamic for sure, but if a quarterback is not taken at number two, then that is open for business for people to either get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or if they fall in love with somebody else, but really those top two are the ones that jump out to me, then all of a sudden you be, you create this bidding war that is worth opening up the doors for. Albert Breer, Sports Illustrated, wrote on Monday that he heard that there was talk at one point that the Texans were looking to move up to number one with the Bears because there was a quarterback that they wanted. So just swapping from two to one, and then all of a sudden the Panthers jumped in, and maybe if the Texans had their eye on one specific quarterback – And if that quarterback now all of a sudden is taken with the first pick, are they not in love with the second best quarterback on the board? By the way, you mentioned silly season. Did you see Chris Sims' rankings of his top five edge rushers? If you missed this, 
Chris Sims, Pro Football Talk, former NFL quarterback, says Tyree Wilson is the number one edge rusher on his board. Number two, Lucas Van Ness, Iowa. Number three, Nolan Smith, Georgia. Number four, Will McDonald, Iowa State. And Will Anderson is the fifth-rated edge rusher on Chris Sims' board. And Sims qualified that by saying, quote, he's a good football player. There's not very much elite when you talk about Will Anderson. In at least one person's eyes when looking at the edge rushers in this year's draft. And the reports say he's meeting with Houston. Okay, if they go number two, he's also meeting with Detroit. If Will Anderson falls out of the top five because the Cardinals could easily trade out at number three. So, yeah, if you're Will Anderson, get ready. Apparently, uh, ostensibly, based on what we're hearing now, he could go anywhere in the top ten. More on Will Anderson and the potential of the Cardinals moving back in the draft. But before we wrap up segment number one here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats as we kind of look at what the news of the past week has been. Did you guys check out Sunday at Augusta, the Masters, former Arizona State Sun Devil John Rahm winning the Masters, but there was an Arizona Cardinals connection to his win, as he explained after his round. For those people who believe in, in jinxing other players, people, and whatever it may be, Thursday morning, I saw a text from a good friend of mine, and I'm going to name him because he is a Super Bowl winning champion, Zach Ertz. He, he said the text, I'm going to paraphrase here, but he said, that first green looking like a walk in the park or something like that right now, 10 minutes before I four-putted the start of the tournament. <laughs> So, thank you, Zach. (laughs) Don't ever do that again, please. There was some great back and forth on social media on Sunday, and J.J. Watt confirmed as such. There is a text message, there's a group text chain, if you will, involving Rom, Watt, and Ertz, and maybe others. It's titled Birdies and Babies, but yeah, text messages were sent back and forth before Rom hit his first tee shot on Thursday. And then you had uh, Zach Ertz responding via Twitter with the I apologize for absolutely nothing. You can expect these texts every major going forward, my friend. Congratulations. So, uh, look, as someone who has earned the moniker Pauly three-putt, to come out on hole number one and four-putt if you're John Rom, and, and we've seen other social media posts between the three of these guys playing around a golf, in particular the Phoenix Open Pro-Am. So they get along very well. And, uh, and you realize how big a dude John Rom is when he's standing next to J.J. Watt and Zach Ertz and not really giving up much in terms of the measurables. Uh, so, yeah, we all got to uh, go ahead and uh, you know strut that one, an ASU guy wearing the green jacket down the stretch on Sunday. I didn't see a Michigan Spartan anywhere near the top of the leaderboard, or did I miss something, Drew? No, you didn't no, miss okay. anything. No, no, you didn't. You didn't miss it. My uh, my group chat would not be uh, babies and birdies. It would be babies and bogeys. <laughs> so. No wine yeah. anywhere there. Nothing. And Burgundy, Bordeaux, whatever you want. Yeah, well, any bee that fits, I guess. That you know. It, I, I wonder is the little emoji is that a picture of a baby? Is it a picture of a golf ball though? Babies, birdies, and burgundy for the group chat of Drew Stanton, Carson Palmer, and whomever how, else you're going to throw how, in How there. would you handicap you and Carson Palmer match play? How, how, how do you guys stack up, by the way? Because I know Carson swings a mean stick, doesn't he? Yeah, he's way better than I am. I'm not afraid to admit that. So, see your baseball background probably screws with your golf swing, right? There you go. Yeah, thanks. Paul. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's good. I'm yeah. bailing them yeah, out. That yeah. as the excuse. Yeah. I remember asking Kyler Murray the day after he was drafted in a sit-down interview, right as a rookie. I said, "Well, you got some guys to golf with around here, Larry Fitzgerald and Patrick Peterson." And he shook his head. He said, "Nope." 
I never haven't played golf once. It would have messed with my baseball swing. Yeah. And you remember he was the 10th pick in the baseball draft. Maybe Tiger Woods golf on Xbox. He's probably good at that. There you go. Yeah. More on Kyler Murray and what he is up to as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Bird Gang, remember, join the season ticket priority list and select your seats before the general public. 2023 home opponents, Seahawks, 49ers, and Rams. Plus, you got the Giants, Cowboys, Ravens, Bengals, and Falcons all visiting State Farm Stadium. When we come back, will the Cardinals remain at pick number three? We'll detail some scenarios coming up next. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Everybody talks about Will Anderson. Yes, he's talented, but it's about the effort that he gives turns into a supernova. Wow. Will Anderson doing damage. Anderson got there. It was a simple foot race, and Will Anderson with the sack for Alabama. Well, we talked about, do you double him, do you chip him? Well, sure as heck, there's one thing you can't do is just leave him one-on-one, swarmed under by Will Anderson. The best pass rusher we've seen in college football in a long time. Quarterback will keep it, and it's taken down. Will Anderson, Jr., lying in wait. It is intercepted. This is Will Anderson, Jr., touchdown. So I am sitting here with two individuals who have made it quite clear that if the Cardinals do remain at number three or even just trade down to number four and Will Anderson is on the board, that there is no question that Will Anderson is the pick of both general manager Paul Calvisi and Drew Stanton. The question is if the scenario is the Cardinals moving down even further, say to eight. 9-11 if the Tennessee Titans make a gigantic move up to number three and the Cardinals get a haul. But there is, and Paul, you alluded to it earlier here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, that maybe Will Anderson is not the consensus, unanimous number one edge rusher in this draft. Pete Prisco, in addition to Chris Sims, not a number one fan of Will Anderson. Tyree Wilson is getting a lot of attention. The former Texas Tech edge rusher. He is taller and people believe maybe has a higher ceiling than a Will Anderson. But it's got to be Will Anderson if the Cardinals remain at three. With that said, if there is a trade down, maybe the Cardinals do get what they perhaps personally believe is the best edge rusher, but not the consensus number one edge rusher. I mean, to me, if you're putting Tyree Wilson ahead of Will Anderson, uh, that's just a byproduct of four months without football. That's just looking at measurables, a guy who's bigger, stronger, uh, has nothing to do with football production or acumen on the field. Look at Will Anderson and what he did in the SEC versus the Big 12, where the offensive line play is vastly different, the caliber thereof, from one league to the next. I just think you are overthinking it, period, if you're projecting Will Anderson to fall below a Tyree Wilson at this point. And once again, that's just a lot of people with a lot of time on their hands to potentially overthink it. All right. What are we to make of this then, General Manager Drew Stanton? Albert Breer reporting this week that Tyree Wilson is scheduled to visit, have one of his top 30 visits with the Cardinals on Wednesday. 
Yeah, I mean, look, you get to go through the process and you get to pick of those 30 visits, whoever you want, and they're at your disposal. So they're doing their due diligence, and sometimes it's a matter of just saying, okay, well, let's just bring this guy in. We're curious if we do trade down, or maybe they do love him at three. You never know what happens if Will Anderson gets taken at one or two. Then you want to be in a position of saying, we still need a guy. So, you know, some of these guys, too, they want to throw outlandish comments out there just to get tweets and retweets and likes and all the other stuff that's out there. I mean, the fact I still can't get over Chris Sims' ranking of what's going on. I mean, the fact that Lucas Vaness is ahead of him in the Big Ten and had such a limited production, all these things that Paul was talking about. You're looking for football players. And yes, the ceiling might not quite be as high for a guy like Tyree Wilson or saying, well, the ceiling could be higher. How many people actually get to the ceiling? I would want, okay, where is my lowest return? And I look at Will Anderson and I say, I know the type of football player I'm getting. I know the type of guy in the locker room that I'm getting. You hear him talk. You hear everything about him. And he, yes, I'm going to use the word, is a safe pick at number three. Because you look at a guy like Aiden Hutchison last year, and you're saying, okay, he does everything that he does at an even higher level than Aiden Hutchison. And you're saying, okay, well, I can't remember the guy's name that went number one last year to Jacksonville. Trayvon Walker? Yeah. He was the high ceiling guy. What did he do yep. last year? Non-existent. So there's something to be said for this. This is all speculation. It's all hearsay until something actually gets put in on that first overall pick, second overall pick, and then we're on the clock. But Will Anderson would be my pick beyond a shadow of a doubt. Plus, you call down and they ask Nick Saban what he thinks about him. I'm sure he's going to have a very honest assessment as well. I mean, here's a guy who played in a meaningless bowl game when everybody else was pulling up the stakes. Here's a guy who could have taken a lot more NIL money but didn't want the distraction and said the money will come. So if you're trying to reset the culture and you're drafting the human being as much as the player, then Will Anderson definitely checks that box. And, and to Drew's point, a year ago, Aiden Hutchinson was the best player on film in college football. And Trayvon Walker yet was drafted ahead of him. And what played out this rookie season? Who was the more productive, dynamic player? Aiden Hutchinson. But you have to go through and host a guy like a Tyree Wilson. For example, we saw the Mel Kuyper latest mock draft came out today. Has the Cardinals trading down from 3 to 11 and getting a massive haul where they would get number 11 from Tennessee. They would get number 41 atop the second round of this draft. They would get a 2024 round pick and round one pick and then a 2025 round one or round two pick. So if you're going to get something akin to what Miami got from San Francisco to move up from 12 to 3 and take Trey Lance, in this case 11 to 3, then yeah, all of a sudden you are trading down. You're probably out of the Will Anderson game, and you might be looking at a Tyree Wilson at number 11. And that's what mocked. Oh, that's what Mel Kiper mocked to the Cardinals yep. at pick number 11. He also had the quarterbacks going one, two, three, and four. The first four picks, all quarterbacks in Mel Kiper's latest mock draft. All right. In addition to Tyree Wilson, what about what was once upon a time the number one player, regardless of position, Jalen Carter and all of his off-the-field issues and not being able to finish at his personal pro day? Now, all of a sudden, if you do trade down, is Jalen Carter an opportunity or an option for the Cardinals? Here's ESPN's Marcus Spears on the Georgia product. One of the things you talk about defensive linemen, especially when they're young, is one, how polished they are. At the point of contact, how much balance do you have when you're getting bumped by other offensive linemen and the trash and the things that are around you? His feet stays off the ground. He never gets stuck. And his lower body, his lower half, doesn't get knocked off of his path Hmm. to the football. That is immediate impact football players on the next level, and he'll be that for whoever takes him. 
defensive tackle who can get that pressure up the middle, run stuffer. Yes, there are issues off the field. On the field, though, what you saw from him at Georgia, two-time national champion, unanimous All-American, 6'3", 300 pounds. It's the edge rusher that I know scares quarterbacks, but the quickest way to get to the quarterback is a straight line versus at an angle from the outside. And everyone points to what do the Rams have? Aaron Donald. But that's hard to find in the National Football League. I wouldn't touch him. Not, I mean, off the field scares me. When you're changing culture around here, you get it. I mean, the first guy that comes to mind is Robert Kimdichi, right? Yep. Yeah. He has everything you want on a football field when he decides he wants to do it. And that's when he's on the field. When he's off the field, you're terrified, right? All of the stuff that's coming off on the, off the field is really difficult for you to sit there and say, you're going to invest a number three overall pick in this guy. Even if you trade down, I wouldn't even have him on my draft board. And it's no disrespect to what he does on the field. I mean, you've seen him dominate, dominate games before, and as it's talked about, but that's a fraction of what it means to play at this level. You no longer have the protection of Georgia and Kirby Smart and everybody else making sure you're going to class and you're doing all these little things. It's on you, and you've got to be able to do that. I would be terrified. I would not have him, as opposed to a guy like Will Anderson that's going to be an edge rusher for you. Yes, internal pass rush is a premium. You want to be able to do that, but when you're talking about changing and a shift, a complete shift of accountability and culture within this organization, a guy like that cannot even be in consideration. You know the guy who's intriguing, and we looked at him last week, we talked about him on Cardinals Underground, the uh, podcast, and then he was actually mocked to the Cardinals by Mel Kuyper today at number 41 overall, Mozzie Smith, the D lineman from Michigan. One of his teammates described him, I'm quoting now, I feel like if a brick wall could move, that's Mozzie Smith. He came into Michigan at 345-350. He admitted he was fat, and he reshaped his body. He And, and now he plays at about 325, 6'3", 325. They put him on the nose, and he was absolutely dominant. To listen to some of the Big Ten coaches talk about him, in fact, it was Kirk Ferentz who said he looks like a refrigerator, but he can move. And there's these ridiculous social media videos of him doing box jumps at that size and his ability to move double teams. You put him on the nose for this Cardinals team? Because, yes, they need defensive linemen. Well, I'm with Drew. <laughs> I'm not on board with Jalen Carter. No. Well, that just might be another name, though, given the Michigan connections that Drew doesn't have on his personal draft board as a Michigan State. No, I'd take him. Hey, oh, okay. Best, best player available. <laughs> the other position that the Cardinals need, despite what they've done so far in free agency, is cornerback. Whether that's drafting a Christian Gonzalez, who the Cardinals should be maybe a little bit more familiar with than any other of the cornerbacks, considering that Gonzalez's brother-in-law is David Blau, Cardinals quarterback in that room right now as we speak. And then you got Devin Witherspoon, Joey Porter Jr., son of Joey Porter, the longtime Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker. But cornerback, Drew, uh, is another position that if you're the Cardinals, you definitely want to take a look at because, as they say, you can never have enough corners. Yeah, exactly. And this this draft appears to be pretty deep with corners. So you just don't know how they're going to fit into the scheme of what you're going on. You look at Jonathan Gannon and the style that he wants to play is particularly different than what's been here. So you're going to cycle through some of these guys. Obviously, you lost a couple through free agency and, and you want to be able to reload that. The best way to do that, again, is through the draft to be able to find guys. But because it is a little bit deeper, I would shoot more for that second round unless you trade back, right? Unless you trade back from 
from that third overall pick and you're sitting there and saying, okay, well, I really like where we're at. I feel good about you know taking a Christian Gonzalez or a Devin Witherspoon at this point in time. But again, it's hard. That's a hard position to plug and play if you're not going to say, hey, okay, we're going to play it up straight up play man coverage, right? And you've got to go guard Cooper Cup or you've got to go against DK Metcalf. Those are guys are hard to find, much like Aaron Donald. Don't just you know come off of trees that you can go out and get. But if you feel good about a guy, you can then have some flexibility to get him, put him in there, and make him a cornerstone for a long period of time. Because obviously, they didn't feel good about Byron Murphy staying here and being a premier number one corner. But you're in a potential position based off of how the draft falls to you to get a guy like that that can be an extreme difference maker. Or you wait for round two and say, okay, well we're going to build again. This is going to be a multi-year process and when you have the ability because the depth of this draft allows it that's when you strike and get a corner i wouldn't be shocked if they took the corner a top round three and that guy started day one that's how deep this draft is i've heard i've heard some of the analysts say you can find corners with starter traits on day three of this draft now i don't that might be a little extreme but even like a guy like deontay banks out of maryland six foot and he runs a 4-3-5-40, highly skilled. I could see him coming into, especially if the Cardinals end up with this extra second-round pick. You know, they take one of these guys. Uh, but there's a lot of corners with good size, really good speed, and, and some really productive game film that Cardinals are going to get one of those guys. I'm pretty darn confident. And I'm also confident that guy's going to get a lot of playing time this year. Well, you've got Marco Wilson. You've got a returning Antonio Hamilton, although he is, dare I say, up there in age when you talk about football years. And then the two names that they did bring in from outside, Chris Boyd and Rashad Fenton. But Paul, neither one of those have extensive starting experience. So what you said is absolutely correct. Whether it's the first round, second round, or even third round, if the Cardinals do cold corner, I could certainly see that play player being a top three corner week one no doubt and you need that guy eventually who can match up with the other team's top threat now the guys they've signed so far for the most part are going to be special teams assassins and really have a proven track record on special teams and yeah when you go into zones and you go nickel and dime they might get some playing time but you still need someone to pair up with marco wilson as a future in that secondary they did draft Christian Matthew a year ago, seventh-round pick. I know has a lot of upside, just very, very raw. He has the link, just not the experience, especially college experience at a big-time program. Check out the latest Dave Pash podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter, at PashPod. We have hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. We teased Kyler Murray. Yes, he's in the building. Continuing to rehab and more on Kyler and what it means, one, that he's here, and two, the rest of the quarterbacks, Colt McCoy, David Blau. Does this team add another QB, whether in the draft or after the draft? Craig Rayola, Drew Stanton, and Paul Calvis, who we do it every Tuesday at 11 a.m. year-round. It's the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Get to the line quickly, snapping it to Murray. It's a play fake. Murray setting up, looking deep, now takes off, running to the right at the 35 at the 40, and dives to about the 44-yard line, a gain of three for Kyler Murray. And got an injured Cardinal. It's Kyler who went down very awkwardly that time as he tried to cut. Oh, no. Non-contact. He cut 
right, then tried to cut left and just buckled. And there was a Patriot player right there who called to the Cardinals sideline to bring on the training staff. Week 14, December 12th against the New England Patriots. Third snap of the game on offense. And Kyler Murray goes down, suffers a non-contact knee injury and a torn ACL. It's revealed he underwent surgery on January 3rd, and now everyone wants to know what is the latest on Kyler Murray. Well, we'll tell you here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. Craig Riolu, Drew Stanton, and Paul Calvisi. Yes, today the start of the off-season strength and conditioning program. And yes, according to our colleague Darren Urban, who tweeted at AZ Cards Insiders, Kyler Murray is in the building, not participating in what his teammates are doing, Paul, but still in the building and rehabbing. Certainly now 13 weeks, 14 weeks post-surgery. There we see Kyler sooner than maybe people think we'll see him. You know, at this point, uh, there's enough out there in terms of some of the reports and the sources that uh, he's done very well with the rehab. I don't think we would be surprised if indeed he was back, maybe, just maybe, in the month of September. But if it's October, even November, okay, this is a long-term type of time horizon. But when he posts on social media, and I was out of town for Easter, right, at a mini family reunion, he was in the squad rack. You guys tell me, what was uh, the buzz there with Kyler Murray in the weight room? He looked like Drew Stanton in the weight room. April 7th on Kyler's IG story, a video of him squatting 315 pounds, which is exactly mm. what Drew does on a daily basis. Oh, Not anymore. Not anymore. I used to do way more, though. Oh, wow. If we're, we're going to be... No, actually, no. Not at all. Um, <laughs> look, this is what I take away from it. I love the fact that Kyler hasn't put a time frame on it. Everybody else has tried to. And when you go through this process, like I did when I was in college, it is a daily grind of getting better that day, right? Doing what is required of you of that day and then assessing where you are the next day and the next day and the next day. So it's this buildup. And he is attacked to this as we've seen it from a really different angle than most would anticipate from the standpoint of, well, yeah, they wanted to extend it out. He might miss the whole season or whatever it is. He has not come out and said that himself, and I think this is a challenge to him to come back as soon as he possibly can. The one thing he did say, he's not going to come back until he's 100%. What that 100% looks like, only he knows that. But the fact that he's squatting 315, that he's doing all these things, that he's in the building, that he's, again, doing what we talked about in the previous segment of being in here, being around his teammates, and also learning this new offense, being able to put his own imprint on it is going to be vital for this team because everything is going to be able to go through him when he does come back and playing in regular season football games to help this franchise be what it can be moving forward. Colt McCoy, David Blau also in the building participating in the offseason strength and conditioning program and right now Paul that is it as far as quarterbacks are concerned I would expect a fourth quarterback added probably not a veteran quarterback but dare I say someone in the draft late sixth round if the Cardinals do get a seventh round pick at some point or once the draft is complete an undrafted rookie free agent because as we've detailed here Cole McCoy dealing with an undisclosed injury in the offseason just how much do we see Colt throw the football if it's just David Blau well he's going to need some help he can't do it all by himself hey Colt's had a busy offseason he got inducted into the Texas High School Football Hall of Fame so that was a double ding there and then NBC Sports 
Sports put out a press release today that he's going to be one of the analysts in the USFL telecast. So he's a, a member of the team of analysts for USFL TV. So there you go. He's uh, multitasking. Got himself a couple of you know a side hustle there during the offseason. But yeah, I still think they're going to go after a quarterback in this draft at some point that allows them to play a similar style of offense that Kyler Murray offers. More of a dual threat type quarterback. And you know my affinity for Dorian Thompson-Robinson at UCLA. So we'll see if he falls. We'll see if it makes sense. But I fully expect them to add to that room somehow, some way by the end of the month. There was a lot of expectation, Drew, that this team, because of the uncertainty with Kyler and not knowing about Colts, that this team needed to go out and find that veteran quarterback. But that was not what this team did, which leads me to believe that, okay, maybe Kyler is going to be back sooner than expected. Colts should be back and not miss a lot of time once the training camp and regular season begins, based on the fact that you did not go outside and get someone that we had talked about, a Gardner Minshew, names that were tied based off Jonathan Gannon and Andrew Petzing. Yeah, I think it's difficult, right? And most of these organizations, when you do come and there is turnover, you just got to be careful of how much turnover there is and where that turnover exists. So when you look at this, right, a lot of organizations don't want to make decisions until they have to, right? Until they have all of the answers, until the cards are on the table, and then they want to be able to pick and choose what they're going to do. Kyler Murray is an extreme question mark of when he's coming back and how long this process is going to take. They'll have a much firmer grasp on what this will look like in a, f- a few weeks leading into the draft, and maybe they do decide to draft a quarterback that is more fitting for Kyler's style of play because you don't want to have to change the offense. But also, what is Drew Petzing installing? What is he going to put in the playbook? And you can maybe tailor it more towards a guy that's more user-friendly like Colt McCoy that can plug and play and hand the ball off and all of the stuff that we've seen or we're thinking we're going to see from the experiences that they've been associated with on this coaching staff. And then you have a guy like David Blau that started, showed some promise did some different things he's a a younger guy in this league as far as how long he's been around for the number of starts but he's been in the league for a lot of years now that he is comfortable operating in his own skin he can be ready at a moment's notice he showed all this so there's value in all of these guys on top of you're going to get a camp arm because the Colts going to need days off Kyler's going to need a very limited number of reps you're going to need another guy but you have to be strategic on who that guy is because again you don't want to mess with with the chemistry in that room. You have to have guys that know the role, that can identify the role, and then also try and push other people in that room. So it's a very interesting dynamic to be able to look at this quarterback room right now and say, who is that guy you had? I'm not shocked at all they didn't do it in free agency, because when you get too many veteran guys around, people start looking over their shoulder. You add a young guy, you kind of slowly bring him along. You can keep him on practice squad. You can do all of these things that it creates the flexibility. But again, this organization is not going to make a move until they have to. And that's my question about the chemistry in that room if you're thinking backup quarterback it still has to be about Kyla Murray it's always and only about your 230 million dollar quarterback so you don't want to mess potentially with the chemistry in that room right Drew as a guy who spent all those years in a quarterback room I'm guessing that as valuable as anything is who is Kyler comfortable with and I'm guessing a Colt McCoy and a David Blau pretty much got a double thumbs up from Kyler and so they're going to roll with that for now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the psyche of your starting quarterback, and even when he's a little bit off, to be able to have the the veteran quarterback, the backup, pull him back in. They've been established for two years now of having some really good continuity. Having that rapport is vital because 
even relating back to the old offense when Cliff was here. Hey, Kyler, remember this read or this or what was going on? Remember we saw this look. Let's get to this. Even though it's phrased a little bit differently now, our terminology is different or however they're going to do it, there's all of these experiences you can draw on. And David Blau, again, is a safety net for this organization at this point in time because you saw what he put on tape last year. That is the resume. Because I can't tell you how many times in the sideline, and the TV cameras really didn't catch it, how many times Kyler Murray last year during what was – a roller coaster season for him in terms of performance, right? How many times Colt McCoy would come over and have a one on one conversation with Kyler that only the two of them could really have? Two guys who had played the position, right? So I think that's valuable in a lot of ways. Kyler Murray, Colt McCoy, David Blau in that quarterback room right now. But I think we're all in agreement that there will be an addition. We just don't know whether it's the draft or after the draft in order to get someone, as you said, Drew, it's a camp arm. And then who knows? Maybe maybe you do strike lightning in the bottle. I mean, you look at what the 49ers did sure. with Brock Purdy. I mean, that was a well, that was the last pick of the draft, and all of a sudden, now all of a sudden he's QB one in San Francisco. Well, and the thing I like about DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson, he has nearly fifty career starts. He was a five year starter because of COVID. And what did Brock Purdy come in with? Tons of college reps, tons of college snaps and experience. Maybe, you know, it's a copycat league. Maybe every team now is scouring the uh, college ranks. Say, okay, which four-year starter is here in the draft that can be had on day number three who we can potentially plug and play, especially in preseason games? It's just nice to not have to worry about this position with the number three overall pick, as so many teams are here ahead of April 27th. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. More as we continue here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. From the 17-yard line of the Bengals. Alone in the shotgun with five wide. There's the snap. They rush four. There's a line drive throw near side. Leaping two-handed. Falling down. Catch in the end zone. Caught for the Ram. Touchdown. Odell Beckham Jr. Near side of the end zone. Leaping high. Bringing it down. Matthew Stafford has just thrown a 17-yard touchdown pass for the Rams. who take an early lead in Super Bowl 56. So all of our Easter Sundays was briefly interrupted, especially if you're on social media, the news that OBJ, not the New York Jets, not the Los Angeles Rams, the Baltimore Ravens, a one-year reported $15 million guaranteed at signing the deal with the potential to reach upwards of $18 million one year. And now all of a sudden, the speculation, well, what does this mean for Lamar Jackson? Is he going to sign his franchise tag, or is he going to sign long-term? And then locally, Paul, it's just, okay, well, another wide receiver off the market. Hey, the Cardinals do have one in DeAndre Hopkins, who may or may not be part of the future here in Arizona. Yeah, shocked as we are that he did command that sort of money. And remember when he came out and he tried to get the message out that he said, I'm not looking for $20 million a year. Well, he almost reached that, as it turns out. I'm not exactly sure who Baltimore was bidding against, who else ultimately was in the OBJ sweepstakes at that point, uh, the salary process. But it's got to be good news for DeAndre Hopkins, right? I don't know if Baltimore was a viable option in terms of trying to, if you're looking to trade D-Hop, Baltimore is really uh, among the teams. But that's one more big-time receiver off the market, so the supply has dwindled. And they obviously put a high salary value on him. 
as opposed to Brandon Cooks and whatever he got in, you know, in that whole trade. So, okay, at least the Cardinals have that as a benchmark to cite as we get closer and closer to the draft, which is ultimately where I think a D-hop deal is consummated. I think so. Perhaps maybe even on day one of the draft, especially if you're looking for potential day two compensation for DeAndre Hopkins, who is under contract for two more years, no guaranteed money on those two years, and a cap hit of $30 million and $26 million over the next two seasons. If he does come back and wear that Arizona Cardinals uniform, something will be needed to be done in order to lower that number and then just make things a little bit more easy for every party involved in this to get D-Hop back in the building. But again, the expectation, Drew, is that number 10 will be playing elsewhere. And to me, still a very talented wide receiver, but everyone keeps pointing to the contract as a detriment in this conversation. Yeah, well, I think, uh, again, we've talked about the ups and downs of what that looks like, and the team's got to feel comfortable. But again, they're not going to make a move until they have to. The draft becomes the ability to make a move when they can shop true offers where they can get value in return and take an honest assessment of what's going on. And then these numbers of $30 million and $26 million and, and all of this, you can balance that out with, okay, well, Odell got 15. Uh, and you can make a very easy argument that at this point in time, DeAndre Hopkins is far superior to him. So in saying that, there's still many suitors out there, uh, and this will get resolved, I would imagine, over the draft, like you said. I think we got, Paul, what, maybe two more weeks of this D-hop uncertainty before we can maybe put an end to this one way or the other. And look, I think a lot of it has to do with D-hop himself. There's the Cardinals, there's the potential trade team out there, but it's what sort of deal is he willing to broker? Remember, the Cardinals gave him permission. Him and his now agent that he added to Team D-hop. And so, okay, what is out there? And now... Now that OBJ has been decided and a value has been assessed, that can only help, I would think, facilitate his deal. We'll see what happens when we rejoin you in one week's time. Special thanks behind the scenes, our executive producer, Jim Amahundro, technical director, Lauren Coble. For Paul Calvisi, Drew Stanton, I'm Craig Riolu. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.